0: Are you ready to write? Do you want to learn what it takes to publish your work and create a writing career? Then tune in and take notes because on Simply Write, we talk about the writer's craft and the qualities and quirks of living a writer's life. Let's do it. Hello there. I'm Polly Campbell, your host of Simply Write, where we talk about writing craft and the quirks of living a writer's life. I've worked as a professional writer for about 26 years now, and I have written everything from website content to corporate materials and brochures. I've written ad copy, hundreds of articles published in print magazines and online publications, blog posts, and I'm the author of four nonfiction books. The newest came out uh year and a half ago. It's called You Recharge. I've been around a little bit and learned some of the ins and outs. Yet, as you know from being a writer, there is plenty to learn. There's a lot we can learn about elevating our craft, becoming a better writer, working in different genres, managing the business of writing, and getting our work published. So that's what we're going to do right here on Simply Write. And today, right out of the gate, we have best-selling author Jacqueline Michard. Jacqueline Michard is the best-selling author of 22 books. In fact, her debut novel was the first selection of Oprah's book club. She is also the recipient of Great Britain's Talk About Prize, the Bram Stoker and Shirley Jackson Award, named to the shortlist for Women's Prize for Fiction. And she's written in numerous genres, which I wanna talk about today, including nonfiction articles, essays, and her newest book, The Good Son, was published earlier this year. Miss Jacqueline Michard, welcome to the show. How nice to be here, thank you. Well, I'm I'm honored. I mean, you heard a little bit of my uh, resume. I think you can also uh, create a writing career by being Oprah's first book club guest. I think that probably worked out a little bit.
1: Well, you know what they say about being an overnight sensation after a million years. (laughs) And I had, even though I had the Deep End of the Ocean was my first novel, I had been a working writer for a long time. I was a reporter for many years for uh, newspapers and and, uh, magazines and things like that. But it was only when I was widowed in my late 30s that I decided to try something entirely new and write a novel. And uh,
0: that worked out. And, and it's worked out for years and years and and i'm interested in that I want to get into that a little bit, because when I entered my uh, when I became a full time writer and i've done nonfiction and, and i'm working a little on fiction now. I got a lot of feedback on that decision I left a very well paying job when I was my only source of support. I bought a house and bought a car because I knew I'd never qualify for a loan right after that. And I left a very well-paying job to become this writer girl. Right. And I got a lot of feedback. You took a risk too. I mean, you, you said you were newly widowed and you jumped all in. What, where'd you get the courage to do that?
1: Well, I didn't jump all in. I worked, uh, I wrote at night at first I had three young kids to support and I worked at night on my novel and during the day I was a speech writer and uh and publicity person at the University of Wisconsin in Madison and I so I didn't jump Uh, I didn't just jump in with both feet. In fact, they really had to um, when the movie was being made for for the deep end of the ocean, the people at the news service at the university came and talked to me and said, it's time for you to leave. Um, Hmm. But they said it in a really nice way. They said (laughs) this doesn't this isn't fitting together. But on the other hand, there are plenty of good things about having a day job that pays for insurance and and supports you and comforts you. When I um, when I did start to do some of these things, however, I had, I don't know if I had a really positive attitude or I just had a chip on my shoulder. Because people would say to me, uh, you're never going to get a job at a daily newspaper. You're never going to publish a book. And I would say, well, somebody has to. It. It isn't as though this is a a secret that is some kind of uh, ritualistic vouchsafed only to a certain tribe or something. That's got to happen to somebody. So why not me? Well, why not me? Why can't I do this? Why can't I write this story? Uh, Why can't I uh, work for this company? And in general, that has served to inspire me rather than to defeat me now i'm not telling you about all the times i failed well
0: that's part of it though right i i resonate so much with what you're saying because when i started um when i left my job it wasn't without a lifeline i have done all kinds of writing that maybe wasn't my primary interest because I paid the bills. It helped me afford the insurance and pay the car payments and those things while I was doing the other things. One of those opportunities of, of being a writer is creating a schedule around that. And yet it takes a lot of discipline because you know that, well, in my case, you know, I was, I, had 60 rejections before I sold my not, not first nonfiction book. And I went through all these things the back way, but it was all about the mindset. So you get a rejection or you're going to get up and keep going. And and you have, I mean, you've had some real setbacks in your career that you've been very public about. What do you think it is about that? Why, why you, what keeps you going? I don't know
1: sometimes, but I think it's because Courage, as my great friend, Lori Moore, wrote in one of her short stories, um, courage requires options. And sometimes you don't have options. What would be the option for me if I decided to just give up? Uh, I couldn't sit in the closet and chew on my raincoat. I, mm-hmm. I had people to look after. I had my own self-respect. And uh, and my own self to look after, but I, I swear to you, I have done every form of writing, humble to exalted, in in memory. I mean, I was just thinking this morning. I was watching the funeral of Queen Elizabeth this very early this morning here on the East Coast, and uh, I recognized that one time I had. I had I had covered the funeral of uh, Diana Spencer and uh, and done all kinds of things that were what what would they call those low brushes with fame. And um, but also I have I did a newsletter for a company that uh, that sold the pumps for people to pump water out of the ground. (laughs) I did warning labels for paint sprayers for the engineering department at the university, including the instructions that I'll never forget. Do not point this paint sprayer at your face. <laughs> That's important you news. Think of that. Think,
0: yeah, think
1: of the lives I've changed where people just thought, I'm going to point this right at my face. Yeah. You,
0: you save lives with that writing there.
1: Do not yeah. operate this blow dryer in the shower.
0: <laughs> so. I you know I love that because I've done those projects too and and uh, I'm still doing those projects but I think within every one of those there is some humor to find there's some skill to find there's I've met people who um landed me in the next project which was totally rewarding whatever it is I think it's up to you to pique your curiosity, to do your best job, if you're gonna say yes to that work, and and to go all in because you never know what kind of character it's gonna lead to. Everything's material, right? I guess is what I'm saying.
1: It absolutely is. There's a, there's a sort of a documentary about Nora Ephron that's, I don't know what streaming service it's on right now. It's called Everything is Copy. Hmm. And of course, uh, those jobs ended up being copied to me right now because I was able to talk about them. But everything I've learned, uh, the main thing about everything I've learned is that I had to do it with absolute commitment and dignity. And if I didn't uh, do it, then I'd better not. Uh, if I didn't bring those those qualities or attributes to it, I might as well not do it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, and that's what it means to be a professional, I think. So long. I had, I got one uh, magazine job from a big magazine at the time um, because I called back when I said I would. She asked me to follow up wow. and I set a time and I called her back and she said, you know, I, I haven't even looked yet, but I appreciate you following through and calling back when you said you would. So let's give it a go. And and that really struck me because that's part of doing the job too. That's part of being a writer too.
1: It absolutely is. And I tell my kids this, my kids who are in high school or beyond high school, I say to them that it is you know, a strong handshake and a good cover letter that has no errors in it. Mm-hmm. Those things are free. You don't have to pay for an advanced degree in order to do those things. And yet you would be astounded at how much they count for. How many times one of my kids, older kids has uh, heard from someone who they wrote to, well, your cover letter just kind of jumped out at me because it was a little bit different.
0: Yeah, I think all that makes a difference. I wanna talk about your schedule a little bit. You mentioned your kids. How do you write around? You've got a big household and you've been, well, many of them were small, working really hard, pumping out these novels and doing the other work you've talked about. How have you managed your personal life with your career, your writing career? Just by keeping a sense of
1: balance in that I would always say, and this is absolutely the case, that my Work, however important it is, comes second to the people in my life, no matter what they need. And as long as I keep that that uh, priority in order, then I seem to be able to find time for the things that I do. And the biggest, sometimes when I'm teaching new writers or even experienced writers, the, they, the okay. thing they say right away is, well, I'm, you know, I'm raising a five-year-old. or, or But all, all of those things really uh, redound to organization and prioritization. And sometimes I think when we fear things, when we're afraid of doing the things that we actually do want mo- the most to do, we find a way to not do them. Mm -hmm. and a lot of things I, I don't, you know, last night, one of my daughters said to me, what are your, what's your hobby, mom? I don't have a hobby. (laughs) I've never had a hobby. I said, you're my hobby. Uh, Because it, I've never had the opportunity to do to have an avocation. I have a vocation and I have a personal life period. And I've told writers that I've taught, aspiring writers, uh, that you're going to have to give up some of your pleasures, at least for a time. You're not going to be able to be involved in your quilting club. You're not going to be able to involve be involved even in important and consuming volunteer work for you know, helping gather clothing for homeless women who are getting their first jobs or the, the things that really raise your passion. Because if you're going to commit yourself to writing, you're going to have to commit yourself to doing it whenever you get the opportunity. And by that, I do not mean every day because I certainly don't write prose every day. But I do something, whether it's research or planning or uh, writing an essay that is involved with my professional life every day.
0: What does a day like this... Look like for you. i'm I'm sending out some letters of introduction to a couple of places I want to write for. I'm developing a new idea. Um I'm doing the podcast and, and writing another uh, that's upcoming. What would a day look like for you?
1: It always is a series of communication and setting down prose. And the communication comes first. Of course, the art of letter writing is gone. I say to my friends someday, um, they're going to publish a book of the collected emails of Becky because um, <laughs> sometimes I put a great deal of effort into those emails because sadly people don't write real letters anymore and there'll never be collected letters. But I take care of my correspondence. I make sure that I know, okay, humble detail coming up here, what's going to be for dinner that night. Uh, me and- too. <laughs> and who's going to cook it. And I take care of the humble details of life and then decide what is cooking in my brain, whether it's whether I'm going to go back to revisions on a novel that I've completed, whether I'm going to work on an essay for a website. There's always going to be some form of activity. And that usually will take me until about 2 p.m., Which is when I shut down, I start the day very early, five or six in the morning and work uh, pretty constantly, whether it's on writing or whether it's on research or whatever it is that I happen to be doing. But around two o'clock in the afternoon, Eastern time, I shut down. And the reason is because if I try to write continuously for more than three hours, I'll start to make mistakes and get sloppy. And I want to leave uh, the work that I'm doing before I start to make mistakes that I'm going to have to correct later on.
0: I want to come back and talk about not only the characters that you're living with, but the characters in your fiction, because you do some things that are a little different than other authors out there. And we will get into it with Jacqueline Michard, when we come back to Simply Write on the Electrocast Network.
1: Life is hard, but finding a really great podcast makes the days go by so much easier. Hi, my name is Blue Tulusma. I'm a writer and emotional intelligence coach and the host of Humanize with Blue Tulusma, a podcast where we believe that when you humanize everyone in the room, a great conversation is almost guaranteed. Join us every week here on ElectricCast as me and my guest co-hosts unpack big topics and interview even bigger personalities with a sense of humor and a dash of mischief. If you're looking for a new best friend in your head, we've got you covered.
0: Electricast, And we are back. This is Polly, and you're listening to Simply Right. We're here with bestselling author Jacqueline Machart. And- You are known, Jacqueline, for your characters with their big emotions. Sometimes they're unpleasant people, but they're going through stuff, very human, the heaviest of human emotions. How do you do that? Writing emotions is one of the hardest things for me, the show don't tell thing, like how how do your characters express these feelings? And how do you manage that as a writer? Are, Are you going into these dark places with them?
1: Well, I am going into those dark places with them, but I do not have to stay. That's one, uh, one thing is that I can promise myself that even though I'm experiencing this uh, agonizing emotion, whether it's fear, whether it's uh, regret, uh, anguish, um, I don't have to stay there all the time in the way that they do. But I ha- I feel as though if I care about them and I and if I'm asking a reader to care about them, that I have to try as much as possible to authenticate those emotions. For example, in The Deep End of the Ocean, Beth Cappadora, who had been responsible for um, not neglecting, but looking away from her three-year-old in a hotel lobby and he was abducted. Uh, has uh, has spent years, uh, nine years tormenting herself over that uh, mishap and nine years blaming herself along with and other people blame her as well. But that doesn't make so many people who who, even people who did read that book and did complete it and bought it said to me, she was such an unpleasant human being. Well, people struggling with depression, uh, clinical depression and anxiety and fear and doubt and guilt are not always a day at the beach. They're not always fun to be around. In fact, they're almost never fun to be around. They're not really the way that we would like to imagine people responding to and um, to difficulties in their lives, they don't necessarily face them with courage and grace and good humor. Sometimes they face them just by going to bed and not getting up or, uh, or sniping at, turning away from everyone else's happiness. In fact, that's more likely the case. I, uh, in writing The Good Son, my most recent novel, I happened to be listening to a TED Talk given by Sue Klebold, whose son, Dylan Klebold, was one of the shooters at Columbine. And she talked about the, in order to survive, she had to experience all the emotions of the people who hated her son, including her own hatred for him. And yet she was able to say to the audience who was aghast at this, I still love my boy. I'll always love my son, no matter what he did. And those were some of the, I mean, in The Good Son, the first line of the book is this line. I was picking my son up at the prison gates when I caught sight of the mother of the girl he had murdered. Well, Thea, the main character in that book, has to experience life after knowing her son killed the only girl he ever loved. Now, as you read the book, you realize that she doesn't fully understand the events of the night that Belinda died. uh, And that's part of what the revelations that are brought to the reader through the course of uh, Thea's, uh, the year after, um, after her son is released from prison. But all of those dark emotions and living with those dark emotions has to be part of the preparation for that story. And I have five sons of my own and I had to try to imagine my way into understanding what it would be like if one of them had done the worst possible thing.
0: One thing I appreciate that you do in your work is you show the whole gamut. It just isn't that somebody isn't just bad and the other person isn't just good. They're human. And um, I think when you talk, I can see how you get there now a little more when you talk about that because you allow yourself to feel that range and to study the range of that humanity because most people aren't all bad or good. And even the
1: worst or what you would call sort of the villain character in The Good Son is a grieving mother. And despite her... The bad acts on her part and the uh, misanthropic uh, and vengeful acts on her part, you still can't help but feel compassion for her because of what she has suffered. And it's too easy on the reader to let the reader feel one way or another about a character because you want, as a writer, to make that character complex for the reader in order to not make it easy to just line everybody up on either
0: side. Do you worry about the creative risks or do you write the story you want to tell? I always write the story that
1: I want to tell. And, and, and yes, I worry about the creative risks. I worry about, I do both things. I worry about whether a character is too unpalatable Mm -hmm. or too difficult to believe in or too much of a Pollyanna, whatever it is happens to be I do worry about those things and I rely on other people to help me to see whether I've gone too far but it's easier to go too far and pull yourself back than not to go far enough
0: mm-hmm. and
1: one thing that I always do that is you might want to share with writer friends or colleagues is I make a conscious de- decision decision to try never to use the word feel Hmm. in my prose. I always try to illustrate something rather than saying she felt terrible. I try to illustrate what that looks like physically or emotionally. Does her head hurt? Is she sick to her stomach? Is she cold? Is um, what is the What are the manifestations of that emotion rather than just describing the emotion? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Because if you describe the emotion, again, you're letting the character off easily and therefore letting the re- reader off easily. Specificity is the most important thing. I do have tremendous respect for readers. And I was at a uh, at the National Book Awards dinner. I was on the National Book Awards jury one time and I uh, was at the dinner with a table full of writers whose books had been featured as an Oprah book and I was sitting um, next to Alice Hoffman who Mm -hmm. uh, is terrific and and another of those writers said this is what I want I want the esteem of my peers would you rather have something like this or the readership of Suburban Housewives and together (laughs) Alice and I said Suburban Housewives, every day of the week. They're smart, they're loyal, they ask the right question, they're really avid readers, and uh, and I feel the same way. I mean, my I'm not writing for myself, and I'm not writing for prizes. I'm writing for the reader, because writing's a performing art, and mm. a dance, and you do not really... You don't really do it until the reader takes your hand.
0: Well, I'm taking your hand and millions of other people are. I I appreciate your work and your time with us today. You can get The Good Sun wherever books are sold. And where can we find the other essays and events that you might have coming up, Jacqueline? Look on
1: my website, which obvious, uh, oddly enough is called www.jacklinmachard.com <laughs> and sign up for my newsletter, The Gasp, uh, because I want you to gasp when you read it. These are little essays along with book recommendations and um, and some really good recipes too. If you, if you sign up for The Gasp, then you'll get a little chat every month with me, not politics so much, just... Uh, sort
0: of found subjects about our lives. Okay, well, I'm coming for the recipe straight up on you right now. Sure. So, and you can find me at polycampbell.com and my notes on writing on the simplywrite.substack.com, which provides more author Q&As, insights behind the scenes stuff, conversations that go on, everything to help you create the writer's career you want to create, and a lifestyle that I love to live. It's an interesting way to go through the world, and I think you can do it too. And as you head into your week, remember this. Writers write. It's the one job you can do anytime, anywhere. That's what published authors do, and you can do it too. There are no demands on a writing career if you aren't writing first. So thank you for listening today, and Jacqueline Michard, what an honor to have you here and to read your work. Thank you for being here.
1: Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: And remember writer's author, Catherine Coulter says it this way, forget all the other stuff, just forget it. Sit your butt in the chair and write. Simply write. Today is
1: Working For Me.